been really cool to get to know Brian uh, these last couple. How long have you guys been around Central? We, oh, there you go, it is working. Nice test. Yeah. We have been working, not working, we have been at Central since August of 2013, I think. Okay, cool. And so uh, one of the things that we really value here is looking from within our midst at the people God has gifted to lead and to share. And, uh, and I, I truly believe Brian's one of those guys, and so it's really neat to, I say develop him, but man, he, you know, we're kind of in the same boat. We're figuring <laughs> this stuff out, and uh, it's a beautiful thing to have the opportunity to do it in our local church. So thanks for your willingness. Thank you for the opportunity. Good morning. All right, that's fun. If you've ever been on the stage at a church, you know, just this fun thing when, when everything starts, there's like 10 people in the room, and by the time worship is finished, the entire room is full. So forgive me if I walk up and go, ooh. Um, anyway, uh, I'm Brian Piccioni. You all know that now. Matt stole most of my introduction, which is fine. Um, if you haven't guessed, I'm not even a little bit Mennonite anywhere, but I have this beard, so... You can take that as, as my offering. Um, anyway, uh, I've heard it's helpful uh, at the beginning of times when you don't know the person that's standing up on the stage to, to do a little talking about yourself just so people are familiar with you. Um, it helps me because then I become familiar with being blinded from 12 different sides. Um, so, uh, as Matt said, I'm married to Lois. Uh, she's one of the worship leaders here. She's sitting there. I'm going to point her out because I'm mean. Um, and uh, we've been here since August of 2013. We, we love it here. We, we love the, the feeling of being part of this family uh, and just the stuff that our church is doing in the community. Um, it's a really exciting place to be, and it's really a blessing to us. Um, I am the program director at Cheris Camp, um, which, by the way, we love the people at Stillwood, so don't worry about that. <laughs> We're all good friends. Um, and... Um, yeah, we, we love it there. We live there. I work there. Um, I forgot what I was going to say about that, so we're going to move on. It's, uh, it's good. I, um, I would say I recognize some of the kids, but the kids are all gone now. Some of you might recognize me from there. Anyway, uh, I thought maybe I could find a fun fact about myself, and I was racking my brain. I'm like, what is something interesting about me? And I couldn't think of anything. Uh, so I asked Lois if she had any fun facts. And she couldn't think of anything. <laughs> so apparently I'm the world's most average person. Um, but that is entirely okay with me. Um, maybe that's what the point God's making is. Um, anyway, that being said, uh, Matt asked me at the end of November-ish if I wanted to come preach. Um, and as is always my response to that, I was kind of like, not really, but yes. Um, <laughs> It's something that I, uh, I uh, feel called to do and I feel pretty passionate about, but also um, ever since I was young, I, was a, I have been a shy and nervous person, so this goes against all of my nature, um, but I think that's okay. It's funny because he asked right before or right after, I can't remember which, uh, the men's retreat we had at the end of November, um, and uh, during that men's retreat, the speaker talked a lot about the fact that God's power is perfect in our weakness. Um, and we talked basically all, week, all weekend about how being men, we, we want to be strong, but, but God works when we are weak. Um, and so I couldn't help but think, what do you think about me, Matt? And you're just like, 
Who in this room is the weakest person I can find? He can come up and preach. Um, But it's awesome. I'm really privileged and excited to be here, and I've been praying that that God and his Holy Spirit would... um, uh, sorry, I just saw my name there. Um, would uh, would move move through me uh, today. Um, yeah, I'm gonna read and I'm gonna jump into it now that all that's over with. Um, by the way, um, we're working in John today. Uh, we've been doing this backstage pass thing, um, and yeah, I get I get the next segment in that, which is exciting. So I'm gonna read. We're in John chapter one. I'm reading verses 19 through 228. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am, the, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? You need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. And the prophet Isaiah said, as the prophet Isaiah said, now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? John answered, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany, across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. All right. Uh, so I don't know if they're up there yet, but we can just throw the slide, the points all up there um, with the answers and everything. I, uh, I have to confess I've never used a slide, so I'm not super familiar with how that works. So I'm just going to give you all the answers, and uh, you can fill in the blanks between the blanks. We're getting meta here. Okay, um, so the Gospel of John, we know a little bit about it so far. Uh, I won't go too much into summary. But up to this point, we've kind of had the first 19 verses, which is like a prologue. Uh, God talks, or John the writer. By the way, there's John the writer of the Gospel, uh, also called John the Beloved. Um, John, son son of Zebediah. Uh, And then there's John the Baptist. So I'm going to try to make sure that those two are not confused the whole time. Um, But if they are, I'm sorry. Anyway, John the writer uh, has so far introduced us to God, the Word, who became flesh and dwelt among us. We've talked a lot about that this past week. Um, And uh, even in the prologue, actually, it mentions that uh, there was a person named John the Baptist who came as a witness to Jesus. and then the prologue in ends just talking about the fact that um, Jesus is God. And so now we've kind of stepped back from that and we're moving into the narrative. Uh, and so now John the writer is going to talk about uh, the beginning of Jesus' uh, ministry on earth, um, which I'm not getting into, but that's where we're standing right now. Uh, so, yeah, the slides are up there. We can see that what I'm going to talk about first is uh, what are you anticipating? That's the first point uh, for me this morning. Uh, it's important to establish right from the get-go uh, that, that John the Baptist was a major character. I think if we remember before, you can kind of get that idea. 
he was a witness. He came to uh, proclaim the coming Christ. Uh, but for today, it's really important that we see that because it explains almost everything that's happening in the passages. Um, we see in the beginning that John the Baptist is already a person of interest uh, to the Jews of his day. Uh, the Pharisees have sent some people from Jerusalem to ask him about who he is. Uh, what this tells us is that major figures in the Jewish community have seen John and are interested in him. Um, and we don't have to go far to know that major leaders in a community don't go ask people who they are just because they're a person. Um, what's his name? I can't remember our prime minister's name right now. Stephen Harper isn't going to walk in the door and ask me who I am right now because there's no reason for him to know that. So the point here is that John the Baptist is someone people know about. Uh, also, uh, the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke make a couple of things clear about John the Baptist. Matthew 3 says that Jerusalem and all of Judea um, and all of the region around the Jordan were going out to him and being baptized. Uh, in the Gospel of Mark, we see that all the country of Judea and all of Jerusalem were going out and being baptized by John. Uh, in Luke 1, uh, there's a story of the birth of John the Baptist, uh, and to make a long story, story short, uh, his father, Zechariah, uh, traditionally would name his son Zechariah because that's how it worked. When an angel came, told him to name his son John, uh, wasn't being obedient, lost his voice. Uh, John was born, and Zechariah, long story short, named him John and suddenly had his voice back. Um, and all of this told the people that were around this situation uh, there's something significant about this figure named John. Uh, so basically, all of that tells us that John the Baptist was an important person. Uh, even if Jesus himself actually later calls John um, the greatest man ever to be born of a woman, which is, I don't think you can actually compliment someone more than that. Uh, there was a lot of talk about John being perhaps even the Messiah himself, uh, but we're going to see that John is clear that he is not the Messiah, uh, but rather a secondary and unimportant figure. Um, we're going to talk more about that later, but the point of all that is to establish the fact that uh, the Jews were waiting for a person just like John to appear, uh, and when he finally did, he created a stir. Um, so the second question is, why did he create a stir? Um, to know why he's being asked these questions by the Jews, we have to know uh, why he was so important, because we can see that he was important. Um, as a spoiler, they want to know because they know that John has something to do with the Messiah that they're expecting. Um, and that's a big deal, because this Messiah they've been expecting is someone they've been expecting for literally hundreds of years. Um, Basically, the end of the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's a, uh, a few hundred years in between those times, and that was a time that they were waiting from the prophets speaking to the prophets becoming silent to Jesus coming. Hundreds and hundreds of years. Uh, Christmas actually is only a, shoot for a few short days ago, so I'm allowed to talk about Christmas carols still. And if you're not okay with that, that's too bad for you. Um, my favorite Christmas carol is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Um, and I love it because 
in the song, we get this sense of the anticipation that the people had for the coming of Jesus. Um, we get the sense that, that they're waiting for, for their Savior to come, the Emmanuel, the God with us, that they've been hearing about. Um, for those of us on the other side of the cross, uh, I think we take that idea of Jesus being the Messiah for granted. Um, for those of us who believe, we know that, that Jesus is our promised Messiah. We know that he's come to free us from our sins, to free us from our oppressors. Um, but to the Jews in John the Baptist's time, uh, they still were waiting for this Messiah. Uh, they still longed and waited uh, to be freed from the oppression, and that's, that's what the, the carol is reflecting, um, the anticipation. So the, the curiosity that the Jews have in the passage we're looking at today represents that, that tension in their community that they've been waiting and waiting for generations. People have died and been born and died waiting for their Messiah to come. Um, like it says in the carol, um, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. So, um, yeah, last, last week was Christmas, not even last week, Thursday was Christmas, uh, and, and we celebrate as the moment that the baby Jesus has, has arrived, Emmanuel, God with us, um, literally what Matt was talking about on Christmas Eve, uh, and that has happened, but that happened 30 years ago at this point. So this is now 30 years after Jesus has been born, and they still don't know who their Messiah is. Um, but then this figure comes along and he starts baptizing people for repentance and he starts, um, we're going to get into it, looking a lot like people they've been expecting to see um, and they think, could this be it? Could this be the Messiah? Is the Messiah coming? They've been waiting for hundreds of years and now they've finally found that, that they're, they're seeing things happening that they expected to happen. So this is the, the environment that all this is happening in. This is, um, uh, yeah, this is hundreds of years of waiting for someone they don't even know the identity of. Um, it actually even says later, sorry Matt, that John doesn't even know who the Messiah is, uh, only that he's going to make the way for him. So, uh, so they don't know who the Messiah is, but they know that this John character has something to do with the Messiah. And so that's why they've come to him asking these questions, and that's why they ask the questions that they do, which we're looking at now. They ask John, the, the, the priests and the Levites from, the, from Jerusalem, they ask John three questions here. Um, first, they ask a really simple question, who are you? Uh, to which he replies, I am not the Christ. Um, notice they didn't ask him, are you the Christ? Uh, they only asked him, who are you? Um, but the Baptist, uh, John, knew what they meant by that question. He knew they were looking to see if he was the Messiah. Uh, and um, this indicates that, that likely they thought John might even be the Messiah. Um, and more importantly, that it shows us that everyone in this situation, John the Baptist, the priest the, and the Levites, everyone knew what was happening here. Everyone had a feeling that something was going on here. Um, if someone came up to me and asked me who I am, I'm not going to say I'm not the Christ. That's just not the context I'm working in. Uh, but they come to John and ask him, who are you? And he knows to say to them, I'm not the Christ. 
so first he says he's not the Christ. They come and ask him, are you the Christ? He says, I'm not the Christ. Uh, the Christ, by the way, means Messiah. Important point. Uh, then they say, what then? Are you Elijah? Uh, to which John replies, I am not. Uh, and so for our modern ears, we're kind of like, okay, so why Elijah? We get why you asked, why are you the Christ? But why Elijah? Um, and so we need to know why they asked John this question. Uh, in Second Kings, uh, chapters 1 and 2, we hear about a character named Elijah. He's a prophet in the Old Testament. God sends him to go speak to Jerusalem and basically call them to repent and turn and worship God again. Um, and again, long story, very short. Um, there's a, a man named Ahaziah, who's the king at the time, uh, and Elijah goes to him and says that your injuries, you're going to die from them because you're not worshiping God. Uh, and then he goes away and is taken up in a whirlwind into heaven, which is pretty awesome. Um, and then later in the book of Malachi, uh, the, book of, the last book in the Old Testament is prophesied in the last chapter of that book uh, that there's going to be a violent end that will come to the oppression of the Jews, and through this violence they'll be freed from their oppression and their slavery and all those things. So this is a messianic prophecy. This is uh, the prophet Malachi saying that this time is going to come when you'll be freed from your oppressors. And in that, he says that this will be preceded by the return of Elijah the prophet. And that is why they want to know if he's Elijah. Um, so, and it's because of the way John is dressed and the way he acts and the fact that he comes uh, baptized and that they're like, are you Elijah then? Um, but he's not Elijah. He says, no, I'm not Elijah. Um, finally, they ask him, are you the prophet? And here, uh, Moses, uh, the famous prophet of the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy 18, uh, says that, that later a, a, a person like him will come and prophesy. Um, and so John denies being that person as well. They're like, okay, well, are you just the prophet that Moses is talking about? And he's like, no, I'm not the prophet that Moses is talking about. Um, and so we can see that that John is here in the wilderness. People are coming to him for a baptism of repentance. Uh, there are signs uh, of the prophecies and the expecting coming of the Messiah. It might even be the Messiah. Everything's falling together. The pieces are in place. All this anticipation has been building up, and they think maybe this is it. Um, the ruling religious figures have even come and said, oh, are you the Messiah? Are you the Messiah? Um, of course, with a bit of skepticism, which isn't bad, but a bit of skepticism, and good, actually, because he's not the Messiah. Anyway, uh, and so far, everything seems all good. They've been asking questions of John, but they're actually pretty decent questions. Um, I think that the Bible would even tell us that we should be asking these questions of, of people that claim to be prophets or claim to be something, um, but it is not the problem that they're asking questions. Um, we're going to see uh, in a bit that that is a problem. But that's not where I'm going right now. Apologies. Anyway, um, but the point is they're anticipating. They're seeing John and they're anticipating. Uh, and that, that, that is our question for ourselves. Uh, what are we anticipating? Are we looking to God's word as the Pharisees are looking at God's word um, 
to see what signs and sights we can expect from God? And are we eager to see Christ in our lives as they're eager to see the Messiah come? Um, But, of course, anticipation is only part of the story, and that's why we have to move forward from here, um, because anticipation with the wrong heart uh, can lead us to the wrong place. And that is point two. Are you listening? um, Up until this point, uh, John's Gospel has made it very clear that we can see the Jews are anticipating the Messiah, and they can see that something about John the Baptist is important to this anticipation. Um, And because they know what to look for, they know that John the Baptist has something to do with this. Um, We also have seen that John has no interest in displaying himself as anything special. He's not the Christ, he's not Elijah, he's not even a prophet. Um, He's apparently nothing that the Pharisees were looking for. But if we keep going on in the passage here, uh, the Jews are clearly becoming a bit frustrated. You can see it in the way they ask it. But they ask John, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? Uh, They press him further. They just want to know then, who are you? you? What do you say you are? Because all these people are coming to you and you're baptizing them. So you obviously think something about yourself. Uh, and he says to them, I am, a vo- I, am the voice, I, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah has said. Um, so this prophet Isaiah has said bit. Um, Book of Isaiah, chapter 40, verse 3, says, uh, well, it doesn't say it, but this is a prophecy from there about the coming uh, Messiah. So they've asked him, who are you? And he said, I'm making straight the way of the Lord. Um, Making a reference to the book of Isaiah, which um, if these guys have come to him asking about him being the Christ, him being Elijah, him being a prophet, they know the book of Isaiah. They are familiar with the verses he just quoted to them. So it's not like he just came out of left field and said some things and they have no idea what he's talking about. They know what he meant when he said that I am a voice crying out in the wilderness. Um... But John says it this way because uh, he's making clear that he is not the important part about the situation. John the Baptist is not important. And even though the Jews were sent by the Pharisees to find out about John, uh, and they were asking the right questions about him, uh, they were and looking for the right person even, they weren't listening to what he was saying. They've come seeking Elijah, they've come seeking a prophet, a messiah, and instead John admits only to being a voice in the wilderness. Um, As in, a person without a name, a person without a face, a person without importance, uh, he is only a voice who is calling God's people to repent and make straight the way. Until this point, we can't blame the Jews for their questions. Uh, They're legit questions, uh, and for people that have been anticipating as long as they have, they're pretty understandable questions. Um, and they're fair. They want to test to see who this guy is. Um, but John isn't here in these verses to fulfill the desires of, Eli- of them seeking Elijah, of them seeking a Messiah, of them seeking a prophet. He's not here to give them those things. He's only a voice crying out in the wilderness to be ready. He's baptizing people with water for repentance, but only to make way for the one that they don't know yet only to make way for the one that he's not worthy of. Uh, John says at the end there, 
the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. Um, it's a pretty well-known phrase in our language, but I think we have to look at it a little closer to see what he means by that. Because in the time uh, of John, uh, a disciple was basically the person they are following's slave. Not necessarily actually, but they did all the things that a slave would do for a person. Uh, anything that their, their rabbi, which would be their leader, asked of them, uh, they would do it. So dishes, fetch things, write things, do things. But the one thing that um, they wouldn't do was untie someone's sandals. Um, and this is because when you live in the desert and you're walking all day, uh, your feet become super nasty. Um, I, uh, <laughs> I have some I have some friends who one day with sandals on it's I don't want to be anywhere near those feet so I can't just imagine uh, weeks at a time like this and so the feet were a thing that you didn't worry about even slaves did not have to untie the sandals or put someone's sandals on and John is saying that I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals um, so this is what John's way of saying that the person that is coming is so beyond anything we understand that, that our idea of servitude doesn't even apply here. Um, he's making a point of the fact that he is not a big deal. He's not important here. He's not what they're looking for. Um, he is just a cog in the wheel. Um, and this is where we're forced to ask, are we listening? Or are we just asking questions? Um, the Jews who have been sent by the Pharisees have somewhat surprising response to John's admission that he is a voice in the wilderness. Um, they know these verses. They know what he's talking about when he quotes Isaiah. Um, he's one of the most prolific mis- mis- prophets of the Messiah in the Old Testament. It's the place where you find all the best Messiah prophecies. Um, the best. All my favorite ones, I guess is a better way to say that. Um, they, they know what he's quoting there. Um, but when he tells them, I'm a voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, uh, they say to him, then why are you baptizing? You are neither Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet. Um, which is, if you ever had those moments when you're trying to tell someone important um, and you tell them maybe in a way that's sort of not what they were expecting and then they sort of just keep going on with the conversation, trying to think of an example. Like, like if someone is, you're talking to someone and you don't know, but they've recently become engaged and you're talking about whatever, and maybe they like go like this or something uh, and flash their ring at you or whatever, and you just keep talking, and they're like, probably should have noticed that. You know all this was happening. Um, sort of like that situation is how I manage, imagine it. They've asked him a bunch of questions, and he says, I'm a voice in the wilderness crying out, make what? make the way of the Lord, and they're like, well, then why are you baptizing? Um, And it's clear they they miss the point John is trying to make. Um, It's not the answer they were looking for, but John still indicated to them the exact thing that they wanted to hear. Um, They wanted to know if the Messiah was coming, so they asked these questions they know about the Messiah. He tells them the Messiah is coming, but it's not the way they think they're going to hear it, and so they don't even hear him say it. They ask him why he's baptizing. Uh, the Jews are faithful. The Jews asking the questions here were faithful in their expectation of the coming Messiah, um, and even right in their questions. But they were blind to the answers um, that they were not expecting. Um, 
And so for ourselves, as we search for, for answers in our own life uh, about who God is, whether we're, we're believers in Jesus or not, um, we ask a lot of questions. I hope we ask a lot of questions. We look places to hear things. Uh, we read books, and we look to people, um, and, and we, we, we ask these people questions, and we look, we look for our peace. We look for our resolution, our comfort, our freedom. Um, so in that way, we're not unlike, um, unlike the Jews here. Um, they are, are, they're looking for their Messiah, and they've come to John asking these questions about what they want their Messiah to be. Um, and they're the right questions. Uh, but they aren't listening to the answer that they get back. Um, and, and we have to ask ourselves that question. Are we, are we asking questions and not listening to the answers that we receive? Um, are we just dismissing the responses that aren't favorable? Um, are we asking questions of God but not listening to his answers back to us? Uh, which is the third point, are we willing to hear? Um, that's, you know, we, we, are we anticipating that, that God is moving, that God has brought us a Messiah, that he's moving in our lives, that he's calling us to himself? Um, are we looking eager to embrace salvation? Are we looking eager for the works of Christ in our lives? Um, if we're a believer, if we're looking to see if, God's Holy Spirit is working in us, if Jesus is calling us to something. Um, and if we're a believer, we, we probably are. Um, and if we're not a believer, um, maybe we're not looking at all, but um, we're looking for something, I'm sure. Uh, either way, are we listening? As you ask questions of God, are you listening to the answers he is giving you? Or are you only looking for the answers that you want to hear? Are you asking for Elijah and not willing to hear it from a different face? If you're listening, are you willing to hear what is said to you? The Jews and the Pharisees were not willing to hear. They looked for the coming of their Messiah and knew that John met those prophecies, um, so he must have something to do with their Messiah. But it didn't look like they expected. John wasn't the Messiah, but he was the indication that the Messiah was coming. The people only knew that they weren't getting what they were expecting. John told them, as the prophet Isaiah had said, uh, that he was coming to make way, and they didn't hear that because that's not what they were looking to hear. Um, even, even now, us in this room, sitting on the other side of Jesus and the cross, the other side of his being revealed to us, um, having just spent the better half of a month celebrating the coming of Christ. Um, are we willing to accept that for what it is? Um, or are we looking now for more? Are we looking for something else? And are we getting upset that we're not getting it? In the Gospel of John, John the Baptist rebukes uh, those who came looking and still did not see that he was paving the way. As we look at the passage to find God's word for us, um, we have to be careful not to look at it and see John the Baptist and look at his example and say, okay, I can be like John the Baptist because that's what I'm seeing here. Uh, certainly it's great. He has a good example. It's great that he sets himself less and less and less. And actually as we go through the book of John, that comes up more. Um, that indeed it is great that, that John um, 
chooses to make himself less and make Christ more. Um, but that is not the point of this, of this text. Um, we aren't John the Baptist. Um, we need to see behind the scenes uh, to see that what's talked about here is a problem of listening and hearing. The Pharisees sent someone to John because the ministry they wanted uh, to know, because of his ministry and wanted to know who he was. And so they asked a bunch of questions of him. Uh, but John didn't come to show those people those questions. Even after he gave them an answer, they didn't hear the response. So John had to tell them again. Uh, John the Baptist wasn't what they were looking for, but he was going to show them who it was. And it was that what they should have been listening for. Um, and I know this ruins next week's sermon, but Christ is the Messiah. Um, he is Jesus. Uh, we know that. We have one up on the people that are asking these questions. Uh, they don't know that Christ is the Messiah. Uh, and yet, we still do the same thing. Uh, we still ask different but similar questions. Uh, and we still get caught up in anticipation and we forget to listen. We forget to hear. Um, so, yeah, like for the believers in the room, are, are you looking for Jesus? Or are, are you still asking questions that bring him closer to you? Um, or are you looking for the things that you think he'll be for you? Um, you're not asking for Elijah or the prophets, probably. Uh, but maybe you're asking Jesus to make you comfortable or wealthy or safe or without struggle. Um, and he's answering you in a way that you didn't expect or want. Uh, and maybe he's giving you an answer that you don't like and aren't willing to listen to. Uh, the problem is that you're missing out on something much greater. The answers that Christ has um, are greater than wealth and comfort and safety. Um, they're things that, that we're not even worthy to untie the strap of the sandal of. Um, yeah, are, are you looking for Elijah and missing the voice in the wilderness? Are you looking for healing and missing God in your suffering? Are you looking for wealth and missing the fact that Jesus said, blessed are the poor? Um, are you missing, looking for peace and missing the fact that he says that Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers? Um, or maybe you don't, you're not asking questions of the Messiah. Maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe you're not even looking to know Jesus. Um, but I guarantee you're expecting something to do what Jesus does. Um, we're, we're made to worship. We're made for this. We're, we depend on Jesus as our Savior. And I know that all of us are looking for that in some way. Um, maybe we look for that in money or family or career or satisfaction of an accomplishment we've made. Um, but to you I'd ask that you would consider a new question that you would maybe ask is Jesus the Messiah that you need um, you can ask any question of him he's God, he's got answers um, but the problem is you have to do it with a heart that is willing to listen and a heart that's willing to hear and a heart that anticipates that he's going to answer you um, no one knew who Jesus was before he came. Um, even those of us who are now believers didn't know who Jesus was until he came to us. 
Um, and we had no idea of what he could do. And that's what John says. He says, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. Um, no one expected to come the way he did. No one expected him to change the world forever. Well, people expected that. But he came and changed the world forever. Um, even though he came in a really bizarre way as a baby in a manger. Um, even though he came being heralded by a crazy being in the wilderness, baptizing people. Um, and so I, I pray that, that believer or not, that you would, you would recognize that, that Jesus may not be giving us the answers that we want to hear, but he's giving us the answers that we need to hear. Um, and he's giving us something greater than anything we could expect of him. But we need to be able to look to him for that, anticipate that he's going to give those answers, and we need to be able to listen to him um, beyond the questions we have of him. And we need to be able to hear the answers to the questions we have, even if they're not things that we want to hear. Um, so, yeah, I just really just close on that and want to ask that, that we all would consider that. Um, consider Jesus as our Savior and consider the the questions we have for him and, and the answers that he's giving to us um, and not be blind by, um, by what we think we know. So yeah, I'm just going to pray and then the worship team I think is going to come up. Jesus, I just uh, I thank you that you come that you've come to us, God. I thank you that, that you've been revealed to us. I thank you that you are a Messiah, that we don't have to wait hundreds of years to know you. We can know you today. We can know you in this place, God. And I thank you that, um, that you give us all we need. And I just pray that, that as we reflect on that today, as we reflect on your birth today, as we reflect on your, your coming, that we would, um, we would look past what we want from you um, and begin to understand what it is that you're offering us. God, that we would look past the things that, the little things that we want um, and see that, that we're not even worthy of the things that you give us. We could never be worthy of the things that you give us. Yeah, Lord, move in our hearts, convict us, uh, and give us new life where we don't have life. Yeah, Lord, I just pray that you would you would move in these words and that your Holy Spirit would work um, and that we would all experience your power and our weakness, God, and that you would all, we would all experience um, your gift to us and we would all get to celebrate the fact that you've come and that you've died for our sins and that you've given us um, a life with you. Lord. pray that in your name.